Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going really well, Shay. I'm gearing up to go on my first proper vacation in a long, long time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Going to the Caribbean for more than a week. I'm going to miss you, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. No Apex, no games, uh, yeah. no, no podcast talk. And we will be still, we're recording in advance today. So there will still be episodes coming out next week. Do not fret. Uh, but you know, Henry and I sitting down on a Tuesday has kind of been a staple for a long, long time. <laughs> I know. It's going to be weird. I'm going to miss Apex a lot. Um, but consider this uh, a little warning that if some epic news comes out mm-hmm. over the next two weeks, we may not be uh, right on it. But when we're back, I'm mm-hmm. sure we're going to have a lot of fun stuff to catch up on. We'll have a good news catch-up session. If you want the live reactions and stuff, you can feel free to ping me on Discord, though, uh, while Henry's gone. And, you know, Odds are I don't think anything major is going to break, though, during this time frame. Knock on some wood. They wouldn't no. dare. They wouldn't. Not while no. I'm offline. But we got a fun episode, though, either way. Today, we're breaking down the Gaiden event and some really fun news other than that. Uh, before we do it, though, we want to make sure you join us on Discord to ask questions for the podcast, chat Apex, find teammates, and receive third-party updates. Also, give us a follow on Twitter, at Kirkrudoche and at HB Burrison. Links for the Discord and those Twitters are in the description of the show. When I get back from my big trip, beginning of August, we are going to be reworking our Patreon a little bit. So if you have been keeping an eye on a certain tier that you really like the benefits of, make sure you get it now because odds are a lot of things are going to change moving forward. That doesn't mean that your benefits won't be secured. Like in the long term, if you're currently a pred uh, on our Patreon, you'll be able to maintain those uh, benefits. But starting early August, we may not be offering a lot of those tiers. So now is your time. Last chance. <laughs> Last call. I like it. With yep. that, though, let's dive into the news. First piece of news, we got an incredibly exciting event that just dropped. The Gaiden event has released. I think this is one of the coolest ones that we've ever gotten with of the entire event, the trailer, the skins, everything are anime inspired. And that's kind of the theme of this event. Uh, you know, Octane is getting a One Piece inspired skin, Watson, a Naruto inspired skin, Mirage, a My Hero Academia skin, and Revenant, a Neon Genesis Evangel- Evangelion. I don't know how to say it. I apologize for any big fans, a skin of that nature as well. Man, before we kind of get into some of the nitty gritty stuff that's coming with this event as well. What are your thoughts on just seeing such a different style of event than maybe what we're used to? At at least I see an anime style different than like the pirate theme that we've kind of gotten in the past. It's a much more extreme. like Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Or Fight Night. Like this was so unique. I love it. I think like the quality of the skins is immaculate. My girlfriend has been getting really into anime because her coworkers have been pushing her. And so she thought that was pretty cool, uh, you know, Apex anime, and it definitely opens the door uh, for some fun new ideas. I felt like 
Revenant was such an awesome villain uh, in oh that trailer. So it was really fun to see. Yeah, let's talk about the trailer because it was, I think, really cool to see the drastically different animation style. We've seen different forms of animation in presenting Apex before, but this was just obviously an anime version of Apex, and it was just to the craziest degree. You mentioned Rev as the villain in it. I mean, uh, I was going to say Octane Crypto really, really took an L in the trailer as well. But what were your thoughts on seeing uh, Apex in a different form than maybe what we're used to? Does this form take over as the, would you want to see an Apex anime versus an Apex TV show after that trailer? It could work. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been talking about it for years, but even a live action Apex show, yeah, anything would like, work. It could work, you know, you animate it. it, live action, like anime. I love everything. Like I, I'd be pretty easy to please. A lot easier to please than uh, some of these Star Wars shows, I have to say. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's for sure. I can agree with you on that one. Uh, yeah, it was cool though. And I think just the anime theme overall is so interesting. Do you see these anime theme being a sign of more extreme collaborations to come because i think it's an interesting balance between like we've been pining for and i even put it on twitter when this kind of came out like we've been pining for the star wars collaboration yeah this isn't that it's not a collaboration with a specific anime it's an anime inspired thing which is just drastically broad are we ever going to get even more specific than that or do you think maybe this is kind of the extent of what we'll be looking at in terms of like themes I pondered on LinkedIn uh, with some of my professional colleagues about <laughs> if Respawn EA would kind of follow the suit of Fortnite and Warzone with putting a more direct IP crossover in the game like Star Wars. I still have a lot of reservations about if it is possible and if they will take that step. Um, you know, I I almost take this in another direction where for months and maybe even over a year, we've been getting very, very small hints at some sort of Apex TV show, movie, piece of media. Mm -hmm. My pessimistic self is thinking that maybe this is as close as we're going to get is Mm. this trailer and this event. Hope that's not the case, but I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm happy with this, but... I don't know if it will go even further. What yeah. do you think? Do you think this is a sign of something more to come? You know, I think it's a it's a step in that direction at least. No, it's not that extreme. It's not an IP infusion, but what it is is it's a set of cosmetics that have no relationship to the lore of the game. And that's to me what an IP combo is essentially. Like it's that hey, this anime revenant skin has zero connection to the lore of the game just like a Darth Vader Revenant skin would have zero connection to the lore of the game. And so I think them kind of officially putting that out there, that like this can't exist in that manner, means that the door's more open than it used to be, obviously, uh, for doing something like that. Uh, We always say Star Wars because it's our favorite, and Star Wars has kind of the EA Respawn collab already going on. So it makes sense in terms of the relationship there, but... I still think we're pretty far and I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be like betting for it anytime soon. But possibility, I think it's closer now. And to end on a little optimism, Respawn, Apex have done 
brand partnerships for skins. Like yeah. we've seen mm-hmm. Monster Energy have had skins. We've seen uh, the, a fashion line had mm-hmm. some skins made in game. So it is possible. I mm-hmm. mean, we've seen now a couple instances where it could be a sign of something pretty cool. I think there's been those those kind of minor ones, and this is the first one that's been like event. Like this yeah. is big, essentially. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're moving in that direction. But with this event as well, uh, came some other really cool stuff. Uh, starting with, let's talk about some VTuber things. Uh, they released Octane, Mirage, and Bangalore VTuber avatars that fans can download and use for themselves. And something at least I've never seen before in terms of games and IP kind of collaborating in this way. They also gave a few creators custom avatars. Uh, it's Timmy, Nicewig, and a few others as well uh, to kind of express themselves in that way. What do you think about this? Because I think there's an argument that this could be just as big a deal as the anime kind of coming in and of itself, for sure. <laughs> this is epic. Like, I, I really love this. Um, they look really, really good. I'm fascinated by VTubers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just having kind of a virtual avatar as a streamer, I think is something that is pretty popular because having that webcam, those reactions on your stream are really important to building a community. And a VTuber kind of lowers that barrier of entry and also makes the stream look really professional. So I think having this as a free resource for Mm -hmm. any fan of apex is such a great lift to more creators in the space so i I see this as only positives i second it 100 percent um with this event also though comes the return of the ltm armed and dangerous which is snipers and shotguns only for anyone that's unfamiliar this is not a new mode uh to apex though by any means this is uh, we always talk about when it comes back, kind of the mode that got Henry addicted to the G7. And I think in, even an argument to say Gibraltar as well, that this was yeah. kind of like at the same time that this happened. So there's always a fondness for armed and dangerous around these parts. I mean, we can talk about our thoughts on the overall game mode, but the first thing I just got to throw out, it feels like there's more cells and just healables around yeah. the normal, which was always such a big deal with this mode was that the healables were so limited. <laughs> Yeah, back in the, I mean, this is still a very hard game mode. Totally. Um, because we're talking high scale, high risk weapons, being snipers and shotguns, no full auto, you know, outside of the EVA. Mm-hmm. Uh, ma- makes things hard. Uh, and the Mozam. And the yep. Mozam. Um, but the heals were almost the hardest part because yeah. if you took a fight, it was like you maybe had an armor swap and that's it. If you get to that point, if you have to leave a fight because there's a third party coming in, you're just not going to be at full health. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's a little bit better, which is a huge improvement if they did make that improvement. Um, I think this, I did kind of fall in love with Gibraltar and the G7 at the time when this mm-hmm. first uh, released 11 seasons ago or something like that. A long time um, ago. <laughs> and now it's back. Um, honestly, if you're looking for like a guide or some tips at doing really well in this mode because mm-hmm. it is a bit challenging, if we talk about legend choice, I think there's a lot of options that can be strong in this mode. Um, the first things off the bat to combat that kind of healing, healable scarcity, mm-hmm. Watson, Lifeline, Octane, and even Loba, I think are really strong team members 
in this game mode. Um, mm-hmm. I think without a doubt. Now, other things are sniping in general in a battle royale, especially Apex, can be not super rewarding. Closing the gap and using a shotgun is what is going to be more efficient, especially in this mode. And so when we look at close-range legends that can perform really well in that environment, I would say Gibraltar, pretty strong in the bubble fights with the arm shield. Bangalore with the double time and the smoke to close that Mm -hmm. gap. And then even Mirage, when you're talking about a kind of peacekeeper meta, if you can get people to waste that first shot or maybe multiple shots, Mirage can be extremely useful in kind of a peacekeeper fight close quarters. Yeah. Totally. I think that's a good one. <laughs> Other options, you know, we're talking about sniping. That means any legend that can secure you and your team high ground is going to be strong. Path, Valk, Horizon, I think are all viable options. Now, special legends, this is where I think maybe you mm-hmm. might get some hidden gems. Maggie, it may be a no brainer. You know, she has a shotgun passive, this is a shotgun mode. Mm-hmm. That's all great. But her tactical is also, I think, very strong in a game mode where a lot of people are going to be peeking cover and staying mm-hmm. behind trying to snipe or almost use a marksman uh, or use a sniper as a marksman. Being able to deny cover with her tactical, I think, is going to be really strong. Newcastle, then, for closing the gap with his tactical, I think, is going to be a really strong uh, legend as well. And then I don't want people sleeping off Fuse either because his whole kit is very long-range oriented. And with the Knuckle Cluster and the Ultimate Mother Load, you can do a lot of damage and kind of reposition enemies without using those kind of high-skill weapons. So that's what I would say on the Legend front. I think those are all really good. I mean, we've been playing. It's been kind of odd, but... I mean, I've been playing a ton of Maggie and Fuse in our ranked grind lately and having some success. So this has been a really fun mode. I've been playing a lot of Maggie, but I think, yeah, you hit it perfectly with a lot of these legends. In terms of a meta right now, between the shotguns and snipers, is there a loadout you're kind of leaning towards as being the tippy top? Does it change? Does, you know, we've always talked about how the PK is the superior shotgun this season. Does it change when there's only shotguns and snipers around? What are your thoughts on that, though? This mode is so interesting um, because, you know, it's putting a magnifying glass on an already very complicated weapon class, being the shotguns and the snipers. Mm -hmm. I think the Peacekeeper is still going to be that top most popular weapon. Um, And that's going to be in the Replicator, you know, all week long. So that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. But still on the ground. But still on the ground, which maybe we're going to get sidetracked here. But... That is an interesting thing. You know, the replicator it was initially released and promoted as something where anything you could replicate would not be on the ground, would not be in the loot pool. It's definitely not the case in this mode, which is mm-hmm. confusing. But it's also not necessarily the case with all items. Like purple heavy mag, if that's in the replicator, you could find it in a prowler bin, you could find it in a cargo bot, you could find it in a uh, loot vault. They are still able to be looted almost mm-hmm. on the ground. So, and that wasn't always the case. <laughs> so, that's something to keep in mind. But yeah, we could talk think, about that on another show. Yeah, You'll the, go, the, you're, you're going to go the deep. The PK <laughs> is definitely going to be strong. I think the Sentinel is probably going to be, you know, the fan favorite in terms of mm-hmm. the snipers. 
my personal leanings are going to be that charge rifle. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be so strong in this. We were playing the other day and you know that hip fire charge rifle is going to outperform any other hip fire sniper in my mm-hmm. eyes. Um and then I I think the Eva uh could come up in popularity after this LTM because the peacekeeper is going to be hard to find. Yeah. Um I think a lot of people are going to be forced to use the Eva and they're going to realize how nice it is to have eight fully automatic rounds mm-hmm. that deal about 50 to 60 damage pretty consistently. So hoping uh, hoping to get some positive uh, publicity for yeah. the EVA. I'm with you. I, I go charge rifle PK. That's kind of like my meta comp right now. Uh, but my kind of fun comp that I'm probably running just as much is going Maggie and running PK EVA and just making fights all close range and you know when the other t- person has to swap to the sentinel and you're swapping to an eva gonna have a pretty good advantage over them in that uh state so with that speed boost tons of fun and be a good time but overall a really cool ltm to have back i think you and i both are you know enjoying armed and dangerous i think we both wish there was maybe some more variety in our ltms generally speaking all around um but you know appreciate that we're getting a good one at least mixed in here uh, while we can totally agreed uh what also came with this though was the bangalore prestige skin uh last thing we'll talk about for this event what are your thoughts i know it was a it was a big topic of discussion and debate with the bangalore prestige skin coming in last time um yeah I'm gonna leave it open and for you to share kind of your perspective, and then I'll I'll add on. Yeah, I mean, cool skin. You know, Bangalore mains aren't gonna complain about this. This is awesome. Um, I think kind of the the tier three or the phase three looks really good. Um, you know, I think we both agree that we're really happy that this isn't replacing a collection event. Like, this isn't gonna replace the release of an heirloom. Uh, this is gonna be separate. Uh, I think that's really positive to kind of maintaining that cadence so that everybody gets their first round of mythic item mm-hmm. um, before we're replacing, you know, more popular legends uh, to get a, a mythic skin or prestige skin. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I'm probably not going to shell out to get it, but yeah. I support the Bangalore mains and I think it's very cool. Yeah. I'm glad they moved it into the cosmetic event, you know, not mm-hmm. replacing the heirloom essentially. And I think I I have a feeling that was just a one-time thing. And I don't think I've seen people saying like, oh, the backlash was so intense to the Bloodhound one that they're never going to do it again. I think it was kind of the, you know, our weird anniversary kind of things. And that's why we got it in an actual collection event last time around. So happy it's in there. I just think it's a tough thing where it costs the same as an heirloom. and You don't see it while you're playing, but an heirloom is the coolest thing you can possibly see while you're playing the game. It's hard to compare those two. We talked a little bit on behind the scenes. You said it was a hot take, but I'll just make sure the regular, not the regular, I just want to say regular, <laughs> the non-behind the scenesers get to know it as well. And I just said that, uh, you know, I would buy any heirloom over buying a prestige skin. Uh, even if I was maining somebody, just in terms of the cosmetic function of it, it's just way cooler to me. Uh, I think this would be a cooler one if there was a way to not have to buy it via heirlooms, essentially. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of where I land on this one. But yeah, 
Uh, before we get into the rest of the news, though, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. We got a fun little piece of news here. Um, and we could go deep on this, but we don't want to go like over the top deep. Uh, but what we're going to do is do kind of a little bit of a developer story time here. Um, talking about the revenant balancing discussion that's been kind of going around for a while. And we have a few questions about it in the Discord as well. So we thought we'd kind of just tackle this all at once in the news and get some cool perspective on it. Uh, essentially, what happened is live balance designer Jay Biebs uh, responded to a Twitter thread saying that the team's aware of the low pick rate, wants to create rewarding gameplay for Revenant, essentially saying, you know, the, the good old PR stuff. But the thread was kind of started and led by former Respawn lead game designer, Daniel Klein, uh, a former guest on the podcast, and we've had a lot of great balancing discussions with. And just hearing his thoughts on the balance of Rev was super interesting. And then that was then further supported by Jay Biebs. Um, I think we are giving this, we're, we're going to read through essentially this whole thread. And it's a, it's a pretty long thread, but it's a lot of really cool information. Some new, some not. Uh, I'll say the reason I think it's really cool to see this though is Daniel spent a lot of time writing this out and thinking about Apex for a bit here. Uh, you know, not being paid to do so anymore. And uh, we don't get a ton of developer communication in terms of sharing what they're uh, talking about as of late and thinking of just on Twitter and just in dev streams, all that kind of fun stuff. So seeing this was a really cool kind of throwback, honestly, to those in-depth developer conversations. Anything you want to throw in before I kind of just uh, I'll do a little story time and read through the thread? No, let's dive straight into it. Okay, so I'm speaking as Daniel Klein right now on Twitter. Quote, as someone who tried to tackle Rev, and while I didn't directly implement the climb changes, I absolutely lobbied for them. I'm not surprised at all that he's barely picked. Here comes a bit of design theory. For a character in a character-based game that is highly optimized towards winning, as in the primary driver behind Pick's behavior is percentage chance to win, which I hope you'll grant me Apex qualifies as, a character's kit needs to answer relevant questions. Questions are moments that come up in gameplay that ask, what are you going to do to overcome this? 80% of the time, the answer can be, I shoot better, or I position better, or whatever. But for the 20% of the time where the answer comes from a Legends kit, those answers must be powerful and relevant. Questions like, you got caught out far from cover, what are you going to do? That's answered by, I'm Bangalore and I use my smoke, or I'm Wraith and I use Q. Those need strong answers. Rev's kit doesn't have any answers in it. Not answers to relevant questions, that is. Relevant, unfortunately, often means reactive. Skill usage can be proactive, set up before and engage or get info to engage, better buff for the team via loot or healing out of combat, or reactive, somehow get out of trouble when when out once combat started. Rev's passive is almost entirely feels and themes-based. It feels great to use, and it is in keeping with his creepy theme, but it doesn't really answer pressing questions. One time in a hundred, you can use it to flank or get high ground, but Apex is a team game. So if you use his passive to get into a flanking position, there's a chance the enemy will outnumber and kill you. His Q disables enemy abilities, but when is that ever relevant? Ability usage in Apex is, is extremely front-loaded. Unless you snipe someone who didn't see you with it before combat starts, chances are enemies won't even realize they're silenced. Finally, the ult is very strong, proactive setup, maybe the strongest in the game, but it's too conditional and its success cases are too binary to support. By this I mean that the amount of engages in normal play where you have your team together and know for a fact there's an enemy team around the corner you could fight is very low. Even when you do get it right, you have a shortish window of time. 
and it locks you into a place in case you get knocked because you go back to the totem. So if there's a third party incoming you didn't know about, the totem can often screw you or screw you even worse. Finally, totem is extremely binary. Depending on how much power Revenant puts into the ability, it's either a guaranteed fight winner when the stars align, or it's so weak that you should ideally never use it. That's because it directly messes with the combat outcome access. The third rail of Apex game design is usually never touched by abilities for good reason. Apex is a gun game first and foremost, but getting X percentage of your life back when you snap back to the totem essentially serves as X percentage health increase, which can be detrimental detriment on combat outcome. Therefore, Respawn can never put as much power into the ult as it requires as, his only, as the only real skill on the kit. Revenant suffers from the rule of cool, the Maddox first design. His kit changed massively in development and never found the mechanical identity. I really don't know what the re- thinking at Respawn is, but if I was still there, I'd absolutely look at Revenant for a full rework. Hope this makes sense. A lot of thought in that. Jay yeah. Biebs, live designer, responded to this and said, that's a pretty solid breakdown. I don't have much to add. Forever ago when Rev first came out, I racked up 6,000 kills, fueled by the thematic uh, design alone, dusted him off a bit to explore the RevTain meta, but felt slimy. slimy. He was oppressive. He's overly oppressive, but only when paired with another legend, similar to why we don't like hard counters in Apex, an oppressive and dependent legend combo limits options. The team on the receiving end was rarely the team that was able to capitalize on misplays. Usually whatever third party stumbled across bad totem placement got to reap the rewards. That's a recipe for frustration all around. And at Daniel Klein, already mentioned that many prerequisites and conditionals that make the output quite binary. And that's where we got the, which is why we're working on Rev kind of PR quote, essentially. So you hear that. This is like, I think our language. This is what we love to talk about and hear about. It's why we started the podcast was to talk about the game design of Legends. What's your perspective on kind of hearing this breakdown? Yeah, there's so much to take a look at. But the first thing that I'll say is just kind of more overarching. Daniel mentioned that, you know, pick rate is determined by a player's perception of a legend's probability of winning. We don't really think that is the full truth. We kind of tend to lean more towards. Is a legend accessible first? Mm-hmm. So are they actually unlocked, which is a big hurdle, larger than we initially thought? And then number two, are they fun to play? Is there substantial crossover between powerful kits that are good at winning and fun? Yes. It's also a lot of overlap between fun and reactive, which Daniel mentioned. Yes. Um, kind of those reaction abilities, uh, which are easier to use, maybe more fun to use, and probably more uh, effective in a, mm-hmm, in a BR mm-hmm. just outright. So a couple of things on kind of those overarching ideas that Daniel presented. Mm. Um, Revenant is in a tough spot. You know, we've been talking about it uh, on the show for the longest time. Uh, you know, we started the podcast when Revenant came out. So, you know, you can go back and yeah, hear all yeah. of our thoughts since day one. Um, it, it's very difficult to approach that kind of specialist ability set. The ultimate is so high risk that Shay and I don't really play a lot of Revenant because of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when that ultimate pays off, it is so rewarding. And I think that's what's going to keep a lot of Revenant mains you know, playing this legend because of that huge payoff. 
One of my concerns is if you do rework and you take away that silence ability, because it's a little weird, you maybe take away that ultimate and giving death protection, you know, that might disturb a lot of the diehard mains. I, I kind of personally question the thematic uh, as being the number one reason you play Revenant, just because you think he's kind of evil, cool-looking, creepy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But maybe that's the case. And if that is, yeah. then doing a top-to-bottom rework would be the best case and would benefit the majority of players. I, I think we'll never know the answer to that. We'll never know if the people pick him because of how he you know, looks and his voice lines, all that kind of fun stuff. But I think, you know, I like the concept of you do what's best for the legend and is out there we've talked about it like we just said Daniel shared like there's not a lot of value in a lot of his kit you know even when we had Daniel on the show and you brought this up behind the scenes but talking about how there's no feedback on the silence either so there's no reward and even being effective with his abilities when you're already in such a weird kind of isolated incident so he's in a tough spot and it sounds like there's going to get some work done to him uh He's a really cool legend, though, so I hope he kind of comes out the other side in a happier manner for a lot of people. But I just think when we talk game design, one thing I want to circle back on maybe when we talk about new legends is that concept of what questions does the legend answer. And I think when you look at it from that perspective, you can truly see where a lot of the success comes from, you know, the legends at least that are getting picked a lot in not only just competitive play, but, you know, know, high levels of ranked as well. Valk's answering a lot of questions right now for people in terms of how to move around the map, and she's getting picked a lot because of it. So I think that's a really cool perspective to put. We've talked about it briefly, but it just has been a while since kind of game design and legend design had come up on the show because we hadn't really had that in the news lately. Uh, So this was just a fun little, I think, thought exercise to go through. (laughs) I'll also note that that idea of looking at legend design in terms of what questions does their kit answer Mm -hmm. i think is a little bit too oversimplified um just because from a high level yeah valk answers a question of i need to rotate my team long distance Mm -hmm. but so much of the popularity of top legends is you know gunplay or quick mobility where Mm -hmm. that's not as easy to frame in that question mindset like oh i just took damage what do i do now Okay, well, there's a lot of answers to that. Like, mm-hmm. you have a lot of abilities to pick from. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I just think when you think about it by questions, those questions either are really big or really small. And small questions like those are hard to determine the value of it. So yeah. I just think, like, crypto, how would you frame his abilities in a mm-hmm. question? You know, yeah. I think it's just kind of hard, but that doesn't mean crypto's EMP isn't really powerful because yeah. it doesn't fit in that kind of reactive question yeah. framework. Well, and I think that's also part of the reason he's at the you know bottom of the pick rate chart as well. Yeah, is crypto's down there, so it's you know I, I think like you kind of hinted at, if you can, does the legend have an answer to kind of some of the most common situations you go into of what mm-hmm. do you do when you take damage? then maybe that's a sign of, okay, we're at least working towards something that could be more popular. Like, I think looking at it from that perspective, I think you and I would have been able to identify Maggie maybe as a bit more of a a flop sooner than later, where what we thought Maggie's counter was that it countered a Gibraltar. Well, 
Yeah. How often does that kind of show up? It didn't really show up as much as maybe you and I were expecting, whether that's from the isolation of the kind of games we were playing at that point in time or that you've been yeah. on Gibraltar for the last two years. Uh, I, I think it's just something fun, I think. I'm excited to look at with the next legend that comes into the game to kind of get a comparison's sake. <laughs> yeah, with those big questions like, what do you do when you take damage? It's hard to create 20 different legends that have a unique oh, answer. Oh, yeah, and that's big a whole other... Like that. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. it, it's still, it's imperfect, but it is a good starting mm-hmm. point. Totally, 100%. That's a whole other discussion is too many legends and similarities uh, that yeah. we've we've gone down plenty of times. Uh, next piece of news, though, uh, we had a lore interview between Lisa Stone and Seer drop on Twitter. Uh, these are fun. We've been getting a few of these a season each time around, and we're not going to dive into it like overly deep, but to kind of summarize it, uh, I thought it was really funny. Uh, Seer made a little joke about Revenant killing Forge at the top of the uh, interview, which I'm sure maybe uh, Lisa wasn't too hyped about. But overall, Lisa was kind of going at Seer, essentially pointing out that in recent polls, the citizens of Boreas, Boreas, I don't know how to say it, blame Seer for the destruction of the moon and harsh consequences that has caused their planet. And that's due to kind of the supposed curse that Seer is a part of. That's his home planet. Uh, And the interview just really does get into it, gets tense, Positioned Seer as a pretty bad person for not helping his old planet. Uh, Lisa kind of trapped Seer in this position, asked interview questions that Seer was not given in advance. You know, Henry and I host a podcast, our mm-hmm. interviews when we do, uh, they're always going to know what they're asked about in advance so they can prepare or say they're uncomfortable talking about something. And then the interview wrapped up with uh, Lisa pushing some positive messaging for Eduardo Silva out there too. So I think she's she's kind of a part of this machine and the uh, the messaging of positivity for Eduardo against the syndicate. Um, it, it was interesting to say the least. What were your thoughts though from it? It's a total smear job yeah. on Seer, uh, which was painful to to witness. I, I was a little bit shocked at kind of how blindsided seer was to this because when he was introduced it felt like he was extremely overly aware of kind of his background Mm -hmm, and this mm -hmm, curse mm -hmm. and things like that so i was a little bit shocked that he was so uncomfortable and didn't really have a a quick answer to this because i would assume that his whole life he's been answering things like this um you know as the the prophecies were were coming true um but Kind of nice to now, three three seasons later, be getting more revealing lore over a legend. Um, I think is something that we're always going to welcome and yeah. love to see it. Definitely, and I think this this Lisa Stone thing is going to be a fun thing to continue to monitor how it comes up. Um, last piece of news though for the day, uh, we had an Apex patch released on July thirteenth. Really, the highlight fixed Loba's tactical is kind of the main takeaway. Fixed a replicator bug and a wraith bug people were pretty frustrated with as well and just a handful of other things. But Lobos Tactical fixed. First impression, I think you and I have both played her a little bit. Haven't had any issues, uh, which is a good sign. And hopefully this is the last time we'll ever have to talk about it. Uh, if it comes up again, oh, that's going to be too bad uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like we're in the clear, which is yeah. amazing. 
We're going to wrap this episode, though, by answering just a few questions. If your question's not answered on this show today, by the way, guys, we're recording in advance for next week, and we're going to be doing a lot of question answering on next Wednesday's show. So your question may be on that episode as well. Uh, But this question is coming from Yo Meme, five star. I attempted to become a Gibraltar main, but I am struggling on the practical use of bubble shields. I understand the basic concept. However, I don't really get it. I'd love some help. Well, you've come to the right place. Uh, Yo, meme. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in terms of a practical ability, it doesn't get much more practical than the Dome of Protection. Um, I think it is a very versatile tactical. So in terms of wasting it, it might be hard to do that, but the timing of it is really important. The actual Mm -hmm. use case, I think, is pretty open. You know, number one is defend off that third party. You know, you push a fight and then you use the dome in order to protect your team while you're reviving, healing, armor swapping, Mm -hmm. looting, whatever, reloading, anything. More high skill Gibraltar bubble use is going to be pushing a team with a bubble. More traditional bubble fight is kind of when you're on the same level and pretty close where you pop it down, you force it to be close quarters, but you can also use it if a team is in a building or in an advantage position, mm-hmm. you can throw the bubble at them and then use it to protect you as you advance. And I think that even though there is some timing of where the dome is going to be in the air and not deployed, that you have to kind of bob and weave, I think that can be a very achievable skill of using Gibraltar is kind of using it to bomb rush the enemy. Um, especially when you can isolate one and take their advantage position to they have to confront you on your mm-hmm. terms, mm-hmm. which is where Gibraltar is going to shine. I think you nailed it. I won't add anything on. You're the expert around here. So uh, yeah. And if you're playing with we, Gibraltar, play with the Gibraltar in that bubble area as well. That's the tip I'll give. <laughs> yeah. Our our Discord admin, Rai, uh, came up with tracking all of our Mastering the Legends and Gibraltar is very much uh, in need of a remastering just because it's yes. been so long. We really wanted to make sure that happened this season, but we just have this feeling that that bubble is going to be messed with yeah. uh, at the release of the next season. I, but just We've been feeling that way for a couple of seasons, but we will be remastering Gibraltar hopefully in season 14. So and stay caustic. tuned to that. And caustic. And caustic. Those, like two, both. those two are getting some of the ALGS backlash. And yeah. we just need to see if there's any impact going to the next season first. So, yeah. Totally. Next five-star question coming from Noodles. An amazing pod that I love to listen to whenever it comes out. Fun creators who do a great job analyzing and discussing all things Apex. Question number one. What do you think about ALGS having an arenas league? They could have a big tournament of 3v3s with possibly larger different maps that ultimately end up with the final match up of two teams. Question two, do you think Lobus Tactical should be completely replaced due to failures in teleporting? And if you do, what do you think it should be? Do you have any ideas on what it could be while still keeping her style? Um, yeah, great question. On question two, I, I think she's doing fine. Teleporting seems to be fixed. You know, news came out today, so obviously no no harm, no foul on uh, the question. And if, uh, you know, failure happens again and this discussion pops up, I think we could dive into it deeper because I don't have any big proposed 
changes off the top of my head right now. Um, in terms of an arenas, uh, ALGS kind of thing, this was something I think we both honestly thought might pop up when arenas came out. We thought arenas was going to be a really strong environment to essentially prove who's the best in Apex, who's got the best gun skill, who can take 3v3s, no third-party elements, and that's going to be popular and fun to watch. I think overall arenas just has been very popular to play and if it hasn't been popular to play i'm not sure it's going to be popular to watch and i think these pros uh i think you're not going to get the double dip from pros that are playing the br to go into arenas and because of the lack of popularity there hasn't been a chance for an arenas pro scene to kind of rise up um yeah i think that's kind of my short answer for it though yeah in terms of an arena style competitive scene I think we need to make some major adjustments and maybe kick it up to 5v5 or 6v6 in order to kind of make it maybe long enough to be competitive because arenas is so intense that, you know, it's first knock, like period. And that makes it kind of hard for professionals to put thousands of dollars uh, of prize money on the line when that's kind of the environment. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's a main reason why it hasn't gotten that just organic push. Um, in terms of Loba, echo what Shay said, my brain is so full of Apex and this podcast that I can recall an ability that we had theorized I back in season six. I literally remembered it as soon as, I, as soon as I handed off to the next question. I was like, wait, that I, if you're talking about the wall like, one, that's exactly yeah. what I'm thinking. But isn't that kind of weird? We're sad. We're awesome <laughs> that we have that kind of recall. That like two years ago we can just pinpoint. Oh yeah, I got that. But two years ago, the idea, yeah, <laughs> yeah to, to fuel your noodles is we had an idea of you could use Loba's tactical to put a temporary hole in a wall or a ceiling or something, so you could pass through Geo in game. And that would really fill in to her kind of uh, burglar style. Um, and it would be temporary, but that would be way more difficult than a bracelet. That's what and I was going to say. Yeah, if they so, can't get the bracelet to teleport you, I worry about making Geo pass through anywhere. No, not at all. <laughs> That's uh, what we got. Good question, though. That's going to wrap up this show. Thank you to our producer, The Third Party 10, who supports us over on Patreon. Subscribe in Apple Pods, drop a follow on Spotify, and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to The Third Party Podcast. Catch you next time. Peace. Hey, now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. <laughs>